Hey, I'm Dan Grubb, and over there is Aaron Fletcher-Smith, and this is the Dan and Aaron Lycorama music. Go, go, giant robots! Giant robots all over the place, yeah! Ow! Told you it was a terrible idea. That's funny. This is why you keep me around. Um, all right, tonight we're going to talk about... Oh, that's why. Is it, though? I, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to hope. Um, the, the, yeah, the, the, the kick-ass uh, kind of knock-off uh, Jack Black impersonations and um, the uh, uh, holes in the Rolodex encyclopedic knowledge about random ephemera. Um, let's try this again! Um... Tonight we're going to talk about... The holes God damn it. are what makes the Rolodex work, though. Yes, this is true. Tonight we're going to talk about giant robots. I got it out that time. Ah! Um. <laughs> yes, we're here to talk about... Tonight we're going to talk about giant robots. Um, yes. Mecha. Um, Mecha high, Mecha high ho Mecca he, Mecca hi, yeah. Um, starting, I'm gonna try and do it chronologically, but I'm gonna be straight up honest with everybody that's listening. Uh, my most definite interest in giant robots starts around the early 80s and, and just kind of moves forward from there. Um, and then the one that everybody will hold my feet over the fire for, and I'm totally okay with it is that I have not yet seen a lot of Gundam. And I know that there are two people that I can think of that I know I've uh, recommended this podcast to that are going to hear this and they're going to message, contact, email, or uh, call me in some way, shape, or form and go, you still didn't watch Gundam. You did the giant robot episode <laughs> and you still didn't watch Gundam. And I'm, I'm totally <laughs> I'm totally okay with accepting that. I, I, I will take my licks. Um <clears throat> so, bleh, um, giant robots. How do they work? How do they work? Well, no one knows, uh, which is quite honestly probably a good thing, especially for the American defense budget. Um, giant robots kind of show up um, in the late 50s, early 60s. Um, there's uh, one of them that shows up... Um, in very 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 early anime is uh, Gigantor, uh, who debuts in uh, 1963, same uh, same year as uh, Astro Boy. So Gigantor is a giant robot, and Astro Boy is a small boy-sized robot. And it just so happens that uh, Astro Boy basically wears underwear all over the place, uh, but that's okay because he's a robot, so there's nothing really to conceal. Um, all over the place, like. On his head, on his knees, on his arms. No, more, shoes. more all over the place is in, like, you see this, like, person that essentially looks like a nine to eight year old boy in cartoon imagery hanging out with, like, the Japanese Minister of Defense and with the, you know, the wise old <laughs> professor that made him and with, like, national leaders. <laughs> and they're like, the whole world is going to crap. And he's like, well, I'm Ultra Boy. And I'm gonna go save it. And off he flies, and uh, fire flies out of his feet. It's it's 
Astro Boy, I'm sorry. I'm going to receive fan mail about that, too. Um, Astro Boy, not Ultra Boy. I'm looking at Ultra he Man. Sound... He, what does he sound like? He sounds like a Robo Tintin. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, Robo Tintin, if Tintin just wore a Speedo Didn't Tintin everywhere. hang out with, like, a professor? He did. And... Yeah, Thompson and Thompson and, um... Uh, yeah, Spies and... Yeah. I never read Tintin, but my roommate did, so I saw pictures of it. And Captain Haddock. I love Tintin, actually, uh... I, I I um I got a bunch of the English translations uh, of the I inherited them from my aunt and they were super cool. It's just my aunt was my aunt is awesome and crazy and weird and I love her. Um, but um, yeah, if you imagine Tintin as a robot uh, who just wears a speedo everywhere, that's uh, that's Astro <laughs> Boy, um, and you know solves everything in about thirty minutes. Um, so wow. that's highly efficient. Uh, Japanese engineering right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem solved in 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, um, Superman, uh, alien from outer space, shows up, kind of hangs out in uh, the um, American breadbasket for a little bit and then becomes America's superhero. Astro Boy rolls off the assembly line and starts doing the same stuff that Superman does and basically becomes Japan's superhero. Uh, about 30, 40 years different, but, you know, Say la vie. Um, <clears throat> and it took Superman like 20 years to get going. Yeah, yeah. Astro Boy just came off the assembly yeah. line. Right off the line, yeah. ready to go. Yeah. Makes you wonder if there was like an Astro Boy, like, you know, beta release that, you know, just <laughs> did nothing <laughs> but really, like, you know. Now that's a show. Yeah, yeah. Like, really crappy beta version of Astro right, Boy. Right, right, right. <laughs> Oh, wait, I guess that's like Uncle Grandpa. Astro Boy, the development year. <laughs> Grandfather, hope you don't mind, but I'm going to destroy every piece of glass in this house. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, further on down the road, you, uh, in, in the timeline, you get um, Ultraman comes along. <laughs> Now the thing, and that that's was, the guy in the red jumpsuit. Yep. Right. Yep. 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 With the silver head. Yep. And the like. He didn't have like blades for arms, did he? No. I think that's someone else. He could. I think that's a Godzilla monster. He could. Rodan or yeah, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rodan, and then I think that uh, there was also the knife head monster, but that was one of um, that was one <laughs> of uh, uh, Gamera's uh, uh, enemies. Uh, on, oh, okay. on a moon of Jupiter, if I remember correctly. But um, no, Ultraman <laughs> shows up, and Ultraman is his own kind of show. In parallel to that, you have a a giant robot good guy hero show up in the in the Godzilla films, whose name is I love it Jet Jaguar. Um, 
So, nice. Yeah, yeah. And it was the song was just great. It was like you know, da, 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 that's da, 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 Jack Jaguar. You know, it's like oh my god, this is great. You know. Whoa, that's like that might be the greatest name I've ever heard. Oh yeah. It, so if you imagine, if you remember kind of what you, you know, what little you've seen of, of Ultraman, he's got kind of this stoic face, right? It's like if you took the Rocketeer and Batman's cowl and yeah. kind of put it together. Jet Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. Jet Jaguar. It's Batman's death mask. Yeah. Yeah. Jet Jaguar has like this. He's a robot, but. He has this, essentially what looks like a ridiculous toothy grin. And it's just because of the design of the, the like, the faceplate, the helmet. He he just, he looks like he's just so happy all the time. So it's like if you took Ultraman's face and you told Ultraman, Hey, um, you know, we're going to take you out for birthday cake after this. You know, and, and you just imagine, you know, oh. he, he's just got this big smile. He's like happy to be here. Um, I know this dude. Yeah. I'm, I looked him up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've totally. Oh, so that's. A di I see. That's a different guy. Slightly okay. different from Ultraman. Yep. 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 So. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you get it with, within within the Godzilla universe. You get Jet, Jet Jaguar a little bit further on down the road in the Godzilla universe. You get um, Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, I think Mecha Godzilla is kind of where I pulled the ripcord, and I was like, ah, I'm done with this. this <laughs> come on! It's like they said, they took Godzilla and they made a robot out of him. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> I don't believe yeah. this from here on in. Plausibility's out the window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was like the. Uh, Mecha Godzilla and the Smog Monster, and all that's like okay. Yeah, yeah. I get the Godzilla started out as a metaphor, but uh, how about monsters? I have this image that I've got saved in my my meme folder on my phone, where it's uh, this image of one of the scientists from one of the Godzilla movies, and the caption at the bottom. He looks very serious. He has this 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 look, and the facial muscles are all kind of tuned in the manner of somebody who's down in like, you know, the bunker for at DEFCON one. And the caption at the bottom is, um, it it may seem like magical thinking and unscientific, but perhaps we should ask the fairies that are able to harbinger uh, or that are able to channel Mothra for help. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember putting that up either on Twitter yes. or Facebook and I was like, you know, maybe this is what's gonna save twenty twenty. Maybe it's time to get the little tiny fairy women that, that live inside of the conch shell to come out and summon Mothra. Yes. You know, Lord yes. knows we could use that. Um, Mothra for president. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Surprise! Third party candidate! Ba -da -ba -ba -da! Yeah. Um, like yeah, and then and then like when Mothra shows up, if we up, can somehow get the K 
can we get the QAnon people to try to summon Mothra? My God. Give them something, something useful to do with yeah, their time? Yeah, yeah, Lever- yeah. <laughs> leverage them for the purpose of getting them to try and summon a giant robot or, or a giant monster of some sort. And then, then that becomes the viable third-party candidate. Absolutely. I'm for it. Um, okay, so you were talking about... <laughs> uh, I, I was you're kinda, all over the place. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of hitting. Stuff. You were talking about Ultraman, I think. Yeah, I was hitting stuff roughly chronologically. Um, oh, okay, okay. You know, definitely you. not hitting it in a uh, a very set or rational order. Just kind of, you got this guy, you got this guy, and then there's this guy, etc. But you're um, laying it out. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so it was Astro Boy, Ultraman. And Jet, Jet Jaguar. What was Jet? Jet, Jet Jaguar. Jaguar is the guy in Godzilla. Yeah, but the who has the greatest name? I thought of another one uh-huh. that might be as good. Yeah, is the James Bond, James Bond's Japanese friend, and you only live twice. Tiger Tanaka. That's a pretty good name. But I yes. think Jet Jaguar has him beat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's got it's got the, the and none of these are related, right? No. These are all in separate universes. Yeah, these are in slightly different stories. In the universes. modern parlance. Yes, exactly. In the narrative universe. Um, no, so I'm so gonna... is Ultraman and Ultra 7 the same thing? Oh. Or are those different? Good question. Let's find out. Like, I don't know any of this stuff. Yeah. I have heard these names. It is. And, you know. Yeah. Okay. Ultra 7 is the third installment of the Ultra series, and it ties in with Ultraman. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Did not know that. That's cool. I get a point. You do. <laughs> yes. One point to Dan. Um, so, yeah. Um, the, so, the, the key thing about Astro Boy is that uh, debuting parallel to that was Gigantor, um, which is a giant robot story. Um, so limited anime i don't know that much about it i know i've definitely seen some animated gifs of it uh, i may have caught bits of or pieces of it on cartoon network um, uh. i just don't know a lot what i do know is that around 1972 uh this is where giant robots and anime becomes a big thing so you've got dudes in suits right ultraman and jet jaguar and mecha godzilla kind of doing their thing in the live action world uh, in the anime and world, the Gigantor is I, I looked it up. A yeah. young boy named another good name, Jimmy Sparks. Jimmy Sparks, yeah, excellent name for yeah. a kid controlling a giant robot. I know that Pretty guy great. down the street, that boy Jimmy Sparks. Sometimes he come out the back of his house with a big old robot. Yeah, bang on, man. Bang on. Um, I like. Yeah, this looks cool. Jimmy Sparks. Awesome. I'm, I'm just image searching mm-hmm. the last thing that you talk about, and man, this is cool looking. I like, I, I like Gigantor a lot so far. So the the, the one that ends up, um, kind of drawing the line uh, between retro, um, robot, retro giant robot designs, and the beginning of giant robot designs that kind of lean towards what ends up being commonly referred to as quote-unquote mecha is Mazinger Z. M-A-Z-I-N-G-E-R space Z. 
Um, Mazinger Z. Yeah. Not to be confused with Ratzinger Z. That is the mecca that sat at the corner of the bar at Cheers, the postman. Exactly. Yeah, the John Ratzinger Z. Yeah, which was piloted yeah. by a, a tiny post office worker. Exactly. Oh, okay. So, Metzinger Z, this thing looks <laughs> a tiny post, a five-year-old postal, yeah, postal office exactly, worker exactly. whose parents designed this machine <laughs> to drink beer and talk with Norm. Right. <laughs> so, this Metzinger Z looks a lot like Voltron. Exactly. The color scheme and everything. Uh -huh. The color scheme is like, hey, it's Voltron. What happened to Voltron? Yeah. He put his clothes on backwards or something. Here's the cool thing about Mazinger Z. It is definitely like the the closest spiritual predecessor to Voltron. There's a lot of stuff going on with the Mag Mazinger Z robot that directly parallels what you end up seeing in Voltron a little bit uh, a little bit further on down the road, right? Like okay. the top of the head is a little pilot craft. It's a little spaceship, right? And um, the uh, oh, cool. It's it's the operator, driver, uh, I guess pilot. I guess pilot is the one that you usually hear from Mecca. Um, the pilot of the Mecca. Uh, that didn't happen. I of course know all of this stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the pilot of the, the Mecca. Operator. Yeah. yeah. The user. Yeah. The interfacer. Uh, yes. The end user. Um, Kind of gets in <laughs> the end user. Yes, 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 yes. That way, yeah, yeah. We 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 use the term. Do you end agree user. to the terms and conditions exactly. of this, exactly. this two hundred foot robot? Right. Uh, I agree. Yeah. You never read it. You just click. And yeah, exactly. Fine, whatever. Right. Robot just takes let two me shoot steps lasers. and then requires a software update. You're like, what? I just signed <laughs> oh. the EULA. What the hell? You're trying to step on a car and yeah. it comes down. There's, it's ten feet above the ground. Just keep going. <laughs> it should be so easy to get the foot on the ground. Come on. Why do I have to keep clicking? Okay, the software updates. Why can't you just step on the damn car? Sonani sobieru kurogane no shiro. スーパーロボットマジンガー Z。無敵の力は僕らのために正義の心パイルダーン。飛ばせてけんロケットパンチ。That sounds about right. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of expecting to see that when when giant robots actually come to the world. Um so yeah, M Mazinger Z, uh, I'm, I'm just going to steal straight from Bleeding, Bleeding Cool here. 10-story um, high robot that the teenage grandson of its inventor could control by piloting a hovercraft that connects to its head to serve as its brain. The standard pilot of the genre would involve, or the standard plot, sorry, of the genre would involve the hero and his friends using the robot to fight giant evil robots sent by a bad guy. Either an invading alien force or a secret evil organization analogous to James Bond, only with giant robots at their disposal. So this is where... So Mazinger Z... I have seen some episodes of Mazinger Z. Um, this is where you start to set up, like, the template for uh, an episode of the week giant robot show. Uh, because yeah. you have to have... 
The hero has to come out of the uh, out the other side victorious. The the giant robot now and and here's the cool things about uh, the, the 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 trope of the giant robot story concept and Mazagruzi puts a lot of this in place. Um, the the robot can get hurt. You you can beat the daylights out of the robot. You can have parts of the robot fall off. Um, and you you can have the robot cut open and there can be wires and stuff hanging out. And because the pilot is in the robot's head and is basically kind of separated from all of this giant carnage, the the the, the pilot always just kind of goes, Oh no! Oh ow! <laughs> but nothing really happens to the pilot, so you the 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 child teenager viewer whatever are kind of watching this and and you've got this kind of mental separation that's going on in the back of your head of like yeah okay he's he's definitely hating the fact that his robot's getting beat up but he's not like hurting you know this is you know he's not right. feeling what the robot's feeling okay that's cool you know i i, I can it's kind like of uh, with that you know it, it's like on the the crew of the enterprise when it gets hit by a laser right Oh no, we're all sure we're lurching to the to the left. Oh no. Right. Right. Enterprise shaky bridges when it gets No hit. left. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me fall to the other one. Ah! Um <laughs> My uh my mom was a bus driver and when she was training new drivers. Yeah. Uh I was a, I was a kid and like after school I would ride on the bus cuz we didn't have a babysitter or nothing. Right, right. And uh and she'd be training them, and, the, and they would say, all right, should I take a left? Right. So a right? No, left. <laughs> left, right. And, like, I'm, like, six years old, and I'm like, oh, my God, just say correct. <laughs> this is, I'm like, I don't know what who's on first is, right. but it's this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen enough Sesame Street to know, uh, to know how a sketch works. Yeah. Yeah, you're watching this, you're like, this is a burnt nerdy joke. I just knew it. I've seen this before. <laughs> Yeah. Mom, you're Grover in this scenario. <laughs> and he's the the blue guy at the restaurant. Mother, let's have a sit down and have a quick conversation about uh, explicating this uh, scene so that you have a comprehensive understanding of uh, your uh, character's uh, strengths and weaknesses and the uh, dynamics that it's going to go through by the end of the three minutes. Um, so Mazinger... And also, I got a boo-boo. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, by the way. I'm out of chocolate milk. Yeah. I got a C on my spelling pest. What do I do? Um, What's a C? (laughs) I think that's the main reason why I didn't get a good grade. Ah, I got it. Uh, ah, ah! That's terrible. I love you for it, but it's terrible. Um, I get jokes. (laughs) I get jokes on like, it's between a two to eight second delay. And I'll go, I'll go, ah. and then about eight seconds later, I'll go, oh my god! And and this has been a failing in my you life. Guys, yeah. did you hear? <laughs> that was uh, for the our friend Scott in high school. Oh. quoted Homer Simpson about once a day. We'd say some dumb joke, yep. and you go, <laughs> yeah. I get jokes. <laughs> he was so sweet. I love I love Scott. I like that guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's driving good dude. A, drives a bus for uh, the Blacksburg now, and is. Uh, last, saw, last I saw, yeah, he was the bus driver. Just, good dude. Yeah, sweetest dude, salted earth guy. Um, all right, so Mazinger. You know who else is a good dude? Who? Is uh, the next robot 
guy you were talking about. Segway man. I'm working on it, man. Um, so, so I'm noticing a theme here, which yeah. is, and it goes through, because, okay, I, I'm going to lay it out there. This is all the robots that I know about. Yeah. Voltron, uh, Transformers, uh, uh, Power Rangers, Pacific Rim, which I didn't see, but people say is really good. That's about it. So I'm noticing a theme where it's like uh, some scientist made a robot and then their kid or their nephew or niece or grandkid gets to drive the robot. That's pretty much it. I mean, and that and that borrows that's like the kids, the viewers in is like, oh, I'm like the kid. I can identify with the kid with the robot. I'm a, you could make an argument for like Penny with uh, Inspector Gadget. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, she yep. didn't drive her uncle Gadget. Right, but she was, <laughs> but she did basically kind of serve the same um, kind of uh, senior operator slash skilled yeah. advisor trope that the grandfather kind of characters served, whether it was definitely the grandfather or whether it was the the kind uncle or whether it was the professor that just happened to design the robot or whatever yeah penny definitely yeah. served that role because the the this the, it seems like she hacked into him sometimes yeah right and she would talk with it's him been directly. ages since i saw this cartoon no that, no absolutely no that was it um and it's um for at least the the you know about a 15 20 year period from uh, from um, uh, so we're gi- talking like like sixty three. Yeah, is to... is on on the internet. That's when it said these shows started sixty three, mm-hmm. sixty six. Yeah, at least to about maybe a decade, maybe to like seventy five. Um, you know, okay. seventy five to late seventies. Everybody basically sticks with a general template for. The narrative of the giant robot, how the giant robot is introduced, um, what happens during the plot of the giant robot engaging with an enemy, and then the giant robot departing, right? And the archetype basically right. goes like this, and and this could be both live action, Jet Jaguar Ultraman, or it could be um, anime, uh, Mazinger, uh, Gigantor, um, uh, what was the other one, um, uh, Mazing Kaiser. Uh, uh, Grendizer, um, Getter Robo, uh, all, all of them kind of fall under this. And, and the ones that I just threw out are a, it's a variety of different um, giant robot uh, Japanese animes that were uh, early to mid-70s, going up to, you know, like 75, 78. But the generic plot is giant robot is built by uh, kind uncle slash grandfather slash um, you know, family relative, whatever, um, yeah. was built Some to definitely male scientist. Right, yeah. right. Was built explicitly for the purpose of helping government or um, or 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 country X uh, protect themselves from all of the ills that could affall af- them. Um, giant robot 
is painted to look very humanoid and very heroic and to generally kind of look like a good guy. Um, the bad guys are always either aliens or uh, another country has built another giant robot that kind of looks either the same or, or, or in some cases way different um, and, and tries to fight the giant good guy robot. Now, it just so happens that the only person that's compatible or, or, or maybe by circumstance, the, the, the person that just happens to end up in the cockpit of the giant robot is the hapless little kid. Now, in some cases, the hapless little kid knows about the robot beforehand and is kind of tuned in to what the grandfather, Uncle, Uncle Trope, has been doing. Or the little kid is like, hey, I'm going to play around in Grandpa's garage. And then, like, minutes later, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm in a giant robot! You know? Um, yeah. And we've definitely seen that happen. Right. And that's... Uh, some, sometimes they know them and sometimes they don't. I'm thinking, like, Flight of the Navigator. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> the opposite happens. Now that I think of it, yeah, the exact opposite happens with... Um, Invader Zim, the kid. What's the kid's name? Dib. Who's always trying to get him? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's trying to and his, bust Invader Zim. His yeah. father's like a Nobel Prize scientist yeah. Yeah. who advises the world governments yeah. and everything. And the great thing but about that like, is that it turns the whole concept completely it, ignores his kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like couldn't yeah. care less. He's too busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, Dad. Zim's building a giant robot. Not right now, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm. He's always, uh, he phones him, he's like, oh, I'm on the, I'm busy in Samoa solving the volcano problem. Yeah, I'll right. see you at dinner. <laughs> bye, bye. And the kid's like, dad, if you would just pay attention for a minute, I can find my, this is a Martian. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, Reversals are fun. Yes. And they, they work. So there's like a whole uh, 10 to 20 years where it's that sort of template hapless kid or kid that's in the loop um is uh set up in some way shape or form to be able to drive giant robot giant robot is built by benevolent uncle grandfather something along those lines uh giant robot is built for the purpose of saving the um saving protecting being the hero of whatever local country you know the the anime or the show came out of um, that robot looks heroic, is painted in basic primary colors, um, and fights, um, bad guys. The bad guys are either space aliens or they are another country with, uh, equivalently bad looking robots or another secret organization that spans multiple countries. And they, the bad guys, are always painted in secondary colors. That's the one thing that I do think is interesting about um, oh. children's cartoons is that the the good guys are almost always in primary colors. The bad guys are always in secondary or tertiary colors on the color wheel. I've always found that really now that's interesting. that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I find that really interesting. That's why everyone... That's why everyone loves Mario but hates Grimace. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's also, you know, also, you know, the fact that, you know, Grimace has been absorbing that much hatred for so long is the reason that he cannot be killed. 
Um, That's his shape. Yeah, exactly. People are always like, well, what's Grimace supposed to be? He he used to be a man. Yeah. But now he he's uh, he's the purple man from Jessica Jones, and he just he kept absorbing all the hate with his psychic powers. Right. And he became this sponge-like entity, and now he's just the Grimace. Yeah, and yeah. as we know from the Clerks cartoon, nothing can defeat the Grimace. Exactly. And, and it just so happens that, you know, uh, the, the, the color of, of uh, centuries of uh, absorbed hatred just happens to be a, a felty purple. Who would have known? Um, yeah. You know what else is a secondary color? What? <laughs> Boogers. <laughs> anyway, so around uh, mid-1979, you have the arrival of Mobile Suit Gundam. And um, Gundam... Oh, okay, yeah. Gundam begins to separate the villain of the week, uh, kind old grandpa you know that kind of that whole trope it it skews away from it considerably and now the giant robots are piloted by a military force um the 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 gundams are suits i mean that's the mobile suit um they are a purpose-driven vehicle uh that you know serves no greater role than a tank purpose is to be manned by and if i remember correctly it's you've got the the people of earth and then the warring people of mars and they they've designed and because these cultures have been separated from each other for a, some period of time their mobile suits begin to look considerably different as as the suit designs evolve um mm. so it politicizes you add some nuance the anime the the giant robot anime concept grows up a little bit becomes a little bit more teenager um so so far now yeah go ahead this when you say that they look different is it uh does it still basically fall in that same rule of kid shows where bright shiny good guys dark shadowy bad guys yes as a matter of fact the original gundam is still very much looks and feels like a kid anime um, almost in the same way that the original Voltron looks and feels like a kid anime. It is until it, it is mm. not until the mid to late '80s that that Gundam begins to separate off into kind of being a teenager-oriented anime, where the story is much more nuanced and aimed at you know here's this this big war that's going on within the solar system and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so. The dividing line. Which, and wait, the war, the war within the solar system is Earth is, versus Mars. Gundam. It's it's is gu- which one? Yeah, that's Gundam. Yeah, that's Gundam. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my, my brain blinked for a couple seconds, and I lost the the last couple days of my life. Well, I tell you one thing: it's Gundam frustrating <laughs> trying to keep up with all the goddamn robots. Sorry. Um, uh, that's my favorite okay. joke. I'm back. And every time that I make that joke around folks that like giant robots, uh, they kind of collectively sigh. It's like, please stop making that joke. We know that it sounds like goddamn. 
please stop. Um, oh, I get it. Gun, yeah. gun, so gun, goddamn gun, hard gun, to gun. figure out which giant robot you talk about. Um, I understand your jokes. I got them. Yeah, but that's because you've you you've uh, you and I have collectively I warped each other's brains them. over the course of the past twenty years. You you got them. I got them. I'm glad you got them. Um, that's just as I, horrible. I, I love you. Um, <laughs> awful. It's worse. It's so bad. Um. You've got it's the tertiary after your auxiliary. So around 1982, you have the arrival of. Um, <laughs> Pause for edit. <laughs> <laughs> you have um, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. up in the United States is Robotech um, where they fly oh uh, those were the same? yeah it was the same Macross in Japan Robotech in the States Um, and actually one of the wildest weirdest things about the run of Robotech in the United States is that this company called Harmony Gold which everybody in the world of anime kind of collectively hawk patooies on, um, mm. bought up four uh, dissimilar, well, not dissimilar, but, but like tangentially similar giant robot anime series um, TV show rights for shows that had aired through the late 70s through early 80s in, in Japan. And then what they did was they took them and they stitched them together and it's oh no it's really 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 weird um because what what they ended up doing was to create this singular story universe that spanned seven disjointed seasons they had one season uh um three seasons of macross three seasons of another one that's called Southern Cross and then three seasons of an, uh, the, another one whose name I can't remember but it involves basically like at that point now they're all riding in um, uh, uh, mecha suits that turn into motorcycles that also turn into jets it's really weird um, oh okay but, yeah I got it it says here that the third one was uh, where the robots have their clothes on backwards crisscross <laughs> one that's the one and in order to fight each other they must jump jump um <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was the basis it was based on a video game where the yeah. attack was you hit the jump button twice. right right A-A. right yeah they're controlled by the evil villain mac daddy um so <laughs> <laughs> i don't apologize for any of these jokes um his his kid's name was big mac <laughs> who was the chief of he was the constable. He worked with Mary McCheese to fight the villain. 
It all <laughs> shared universe. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> In France, known as Le Bigamac. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Le Gondon. Le, Le Grondemac. <laughs> oui, oui. Oh, dear Lord. Le um, Macros. <laughs> Le Macroy. Yeah, in, in, in French they leave the ass off. Le Macroy. <laughs> Le Macroy. Yeah. It's, it's Scottish. It's son of Croy. <laughs> oh, what you got there? Oh, I'm watching a little bit of Macroy. Oh, is that the one yeah. with the giant rubits? <laughs> yeah, son of Ross. Yeah, exactly. Mac Ross. Yes. Please it's stop. it's Ewan MacRoss. Ewan MacRoss. <laughs> right, right. Famous for his role. <laughs> famous for his role in Gundam spotting. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god. Yeah. In that version of the movie, uh, the thing that crawls up the ceiling and, and looks down at him is Astro Boy. <laughs> <laughs> And it's okay that the head turns 180 <laughs> degrees because he's a little kid robot. So, you know, that's, that's So fine. it's it's not alarming at all. Yeah, it's exactly. Fine. Exactly. As you're watching it's like, oh, box. yes. Yeah. That's a robot. All, that's fine. All operations seem normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we're we're proud of the fact the little robot boy can do that. That's great, you know. Um, I must have taken the exact right amount of, of heroin. Exactly. <laughs> I am on top of my trip. Yeah, it ends... On a positive note, where he just he 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 goes to like the land of Oz, and, and everybody's been replaced by R two D twos. Where are we going with this, Dan? Good lord! <laughs> hey, you're the one driving. I'm just I'm turning the map upside down and and making getting barbecue uh, sauce origami on it, out it of it. Lakes. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, <laughs> no, we're in we're in Japan, so it's origami. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, that was good. That was good. I like that. Um. All right, so, yeah, Macross becomes Robotech in the States. Um, around this same time, uh, rights holders and toy companies start to kind of take note that they're like, oh, dude, uh, this might work great as a, um, a way to sell product that already exists. Um, Robotech, uh, which is the, the American version of Macross, is this concentrated rebranding effort by Harmony Gold to kind of shoehorn these bits and pieces of, of three somewhat similar uh, giant robot anime TV shows together in order to create one long show that, you know, given the fact that it was seven seasons and it was Saturday morning cartoons, they could, that's about five years worth of programming that they could kind of profit money off of. Um, yeah, Ultron comes sense. over around the same time. There were, uh, there were two, um, there were two uh, series in uh, Japan that had limited anime television, but mostly just a toy range, um, which were called um, Microman 
and I think it was Getter Robo. Um, but you had... No, Diaclone. That was what it was. Microman and Diaclone. So Microman is... Diaclone. Uh, Diaclone, yes. So Microman is tiny little dude that climbs into uh, robots um, and pilots robots that can transform down into common household objects like a gun or a tape player. Uh, Diaclone, oh. yeah. Diaclone uh, borrows from the concepts already proven to be able to be marketable in, in Japan uh, that show up in Macross and that show up in Voltron and then before that have now showed up in um, uh, Mazinger for a long period of time at that point. Uh, which is um, you can hide your giant robot in a vehicle and you can have the vehicle turn into the giant robot when you arrive at the scene of the crime. Um, so Diaclone... Nice. Diaclone... Uh, I mean, that happens a hundred times in Transformers and it's just now hitting me like, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I guess instead of them being random aliens from Cybertron right. and for some crazy reason they all look like cars and jets and yeah. boom boxes and <laughs> right. stuff. Right, exactly. It makes a lot more sense if someone's like, hey, you know what? What if you drove there and then your car turned into a guy? Right, and then and then as a robot you can I don't know, save the house from burning down by rescuing the kids on the second floor, blah 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 or whatever. Yeah. Um, you can shoot lasers Right. And little missiles that barely miss, not barely, but uh, continuously miss, right, <laughs> reliably right. yeah. miss your antagonist. Right, that, that just fly past and then, and then the character says something witty. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, everybody knows, everybody's seen Transformers. It's... Uh, <laughs> Absolute favorite. We um, we've been watching the second season of the show with uh, the girls recently. Is uh, um, there's uh, the second season. Is, so the first season they introduce the twelve Autobots and and the the seven Decepticons, and they actually spend a little bit of time drawing these characters correctly. The second season of Transformers, first season is thirteen episodes. Um, the characters are all drawn really well. Feels a little bit like you're watching a, you know, a, a professional show. There's definitely these color errors and mistakes, but you know, it was the, uh, okay. it was the 80s. Season two okay. is almost 30 episodes, produced with the same budget, but with the purpose of just at that point ramrodding piles of bit part characters down children's throats, because by that point. You know, you got the repeal of some of some of the uh, TV rulings. This is Reagan era um, with the with the repeal of some of the the TV legislation. 
uh, you got Hasbro and some of these other television marketing companies going, wait, there's, there's, wait, there's, there's no guardrails on, 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 on the marketing train anymore. So, so we can just turn the whole show into marketing. Oh, let's do it. You right. know? Um, so like, uh, now, uh, I remember that is maybe it was a reaction against that where they made the FCC made the law that it, with kids cartoons, you had to say, We'll be right back after right. these mess after these commercials after these messages because the kids were not understanding the difference between the half hour commercial for toys yeah. and the thirty second commercials for toys that were put in them. And I, I know I, I didn't. Right, we had a bunch exactly. of those toys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Transformers, He Man, GI Joe, Voltron, um, they were all very guilty of it. And it's really interesting because my, my my youngest daughter picked up on this. She was like, uh, they the the versions of the show that we were watching had the bumper where it does you know the Transformers will return after these messages, and then it shows a Transformer character transforming. And I went on YouTube and I, I looked up like an unaltered chunk of airtime from the '80s to show her what it felt like, and even though the show makes the distinction that the show will be back in a few minutes after these messages that unaltered mm -hmm. chunk of airtime goes directly into two episodes for transformers before it does an episode for g uh before it does uh two ads for transformers before it does an ad for gi joe and then it goes back into transformers so oh it, man yeah so it's like the transformers will return after these messages hey kids you know, you know, blah, blah, blah from Transformers. Uh, here he is on a secret mission. You can own him seconds later. Hey, yeah. kids, here's reinforcements from Cybertron. And they're here ready to in invade your living room. You know, and then, hey, kids, remember superhero character from G.I. Joe? Well, he's ready to, you know, assault your backyard. And then right back to, you know, we now return to the Transformers. So it's just this. Yeah. It's like. It's just the same it's indistinguishable yeah it's not 22 minutes a show it's it's not 22 minutes a show plus eight minutes of ad breaks it's a continuous 30 minute ad for garbage and i've I, you know i've got transformers surrounding me on my desk and <laughs> it's it's garbage right it, it's it's not <laughs> it's it's not like it doesn't serve any you know, it's not brain expanding. It's, you know, analogous to a Rubik's Cube. And, you know, you've done it a handful of times and you know how to do it, right? It doesn't even have the long-lasting flavor of a Rubik's Cube where it's like you can undo it and there's a new algorithm in trying to solve the next version of the Rubik's Cube, right? It's it's garbage. It's a toy. It's, it's, it's whole purpose is to move a product off of toy shelves. And yeah, Transformers did it really well. Um... And Transformers kind of set the bar for the way to not only uh, do these shows. Transformers set a lot of uh, quote-unquote new rules in terms of the way that you can do the storytelling behind how the robots arrive on Earth and, and you know the background narrative and stuff like that. Uh, but it also set a line in the sand as to um, this is what you do slash this is what you can do when you market giant robots. Um, and the interesting thing is that Gundam Model Kits, which is 
uh, kind of a thing that kind of tags along mentally with anybody's, you know, uh, any general science fiction fans kind of first uh, generic thought about Gundam. Gundam model kits didn't really become a big thing until after the Transformers. Because the marketing mm. blitz concept of we got to sell this, 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 um, didn't really kind of sink in until Transformers started flying off the toy shelves to you know kids ages you know four to forty uh, in in the mid to late eighties. Are you talking about um, the model kits being sold in the U.S. or Japan? Both, both because oh, okay. Um, Bandai, I think. I didn't know if it was like. I don't know if it was like. uh, Um, Japan saw us with these toys, and then they were like, "Oh my god, we should do that." There's absolutely that. Yeah, there was absolutely that. But but, like Japan, they had toys in the seventies. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't until we did we didn't like invent here buy all this plastic crap. No. We, we definitely changed the paradigm though well, in, in, in the mid '80s. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we kind of we kind of altered the way that you could schlep it down kids' throats. Um, gotcha, gotcha. The advertising. Yeah, the advertising. The relentless the re- advertising. That was exactly the word I was about to use. The relentless marketing. Um, make uh-huh. sure that nobody misses it. Um, yeah. That kind of that that kind of laid the groundwork for the way that. A, a lot of honestly, a, a lot of um, kids' um, product-focused television shows uh, kind of rose to power from there on in. I mean, you know, Hasbro is still doing it to this day and doing it really well. Uh, My Little Pony pushes tons of toys uh, simply based on oh, the fact yeah. that, like, they they realize that as as long as you know there was a bit of a change in the way that people digested media. And so you've got kids that watch the show, and now you've got the parents of the kids that watch the show as well. And then you have this middle generation of, of um, you know, I'm going to be generic here, but but generically nerds that are seeking something, right? And, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, 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 they would watch the old Transformers and be like, oh, this is crap. I don't want to watch this, right? So you gotta mm-hmm. still you got to still sell them because this is the same cadre of nerds that have now been raised on reading like George R. R. Martin's you know Song of Ice and Fire and have finished reading through Tolkien and they're like okay that's pretty good you know what do you got modern TV then you got you know Transformers changes the way that it tells stories um My Little Pony changes the way that it tells stories Hasbro kind of gets the idea okay well we got to change the the way that we tell the stories but we got to keep pushing product um parallel to that giant robots um uh, let's let's do an awesome metaphor here. Giant robots continue to trudge on, <laughs> Un- undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the um, I'd say the one that does the most amazing and impressive job of refocusing. Um, the cultures, the 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 nerd media consuming cultures, eye on Japan, and takes it away from the American market is Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, so I've heard of this word. <laughs> oh my dear lord. <laughs> 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 
Neon Genesis Evangelion um, is the one of the weirdest fucking giant robot anime television series movies whatever um, that you've that I have ever seen and I have I have watched it end to end twice and and each time I I come to the other end of it and I'm like what um, <laughs> so it starts with a premise very similar to every other giant robot premise right um, these are uh, the these giant robots are actually now uh, cyborgs and and they have some percentage but it's never really kind of contextualized uh, they, they have um, some percentage of like human DNA that was used to grow bits and pieces of the robot and in the original in the first episode or two it's kind of hard to tell how much but um, the main character is this kind of uh, angsty 13 14 year old that um, is kind of not doing well in school and he starts to kind of give up on school and he gets recruited <laughs> um, idiot yeah dummy <laughs> He gets he gets Let's beat him up. He gets recruited by these two um, obviously drawn to be uh, a little bit overtly sexual uh, characters that are part of a crime fighting force, right? And they they drive him under this deep underground chamber, and he gets a passing Wink. view. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't. Uh, it, I don't. I like. Oh, I guess okay. The car goes. I had to sit there and think about my own dirty joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The car goes into a giant woman robot's pants. No, that's not true. Um, Gross. Yeah, what a terrible show. I'm glad they canceled it after the zeroth episode. Um, No, so I'm 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 doing an image search, and uh, yeah, this is definitely looking more like the modern anime style where. Everyone has a an, a seven inch waist. Yep. Yeah. That exactly. cannot possibly support their giant boobs. Right. Right. They're all anorexic. They're all overtly sexual. Um, it's the sexuality becomes kind of built into the story. Um, it gets weird. It just gets progressively weirder. But that 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 very and first episode. There's he, uh, sort of feminine looking. They look like. Uh, these feminine uh, uh, androgynous boys who look sort of like boy band stars. Yeah, yeah. And the the wildest thing is that if you look at the the mecha in Evangelion, uh, Eva 01, Eva 02, they almost look like ballet dancers mixed with malnourished chimpanzees. Um... With, with robot parts kind of sticking off of them. And the way that they're animated and drawn in the show is... It's interesting. They're drawn in the show so that at, it, it, at some moments and from some angles, they look lumbering and cumbersome and like typical giant robots. They move with the same kind of, you know, clanky movement. But then as these characters become... Uh, the, the, the the characters connect to the mecha via this like umbilical at the back of their neck and as the characters begin to kind of like merge 
mentally and spiritually with the robots. The robots begin to move more like ballet dancers, and it's more deft, hmm. and they, they're more spindly. And all this time, the robots are fighting angels. <laughs> Which is the term what? that in in the in the course of the the story universe, the governments have decided to call these bad guys. They've called the generic aliens I'm from sorry. space angels. <laughs> so I'm sorry that I'm sitting here laughing over you. I you said Eva one and I I looked. I it searched that. Um. Okay. So are are they? Are these the bad guys or the good guys? <laughs> Is this one of those stories? Because right? they're green and purple. Nope, these are the good guys. And they look scary. That's the thing. That's the cool thing about about um. That's the wild thing about uh about Evangelion. Is that? But uh, it the thing everything. I was giggling at. Yeah. The thing I was giggling at. Um. I'm looking at. Eva one Um. Does this robot have a uh, a uh, organ? <laughs> you mean you mean a dingly dangly donger? <laughs> yeah, because it really, 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 really looks like it. Does. It's draw. It's designed that way. Um, they, it really does. Yeah, the the, the, the <laughs> oh characters are designed that way because. The, the robots <laughs> are bizarrely sexual in the same way that the people are bizarrely sexual. And it's, 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 it's this, like, there's at least five different weird overlaid coming of age stories going on at the same time in Evangelion. Um, the, some of the, some of the weirdest revelations that come out of it is like, Apparently the giant robots aren't actually robots, that they're giant hybrid clones of the pilot's dead mothers intermixed with the angel DNA, and the cockpits are in effect perfect wombs, complete with amniotic oh, fluids I don't like to that suspend the pilots all. in. Oh, it gets so weird. No. It gets so weird. This is like uh Yeah. Was this written by Jacques Lacan? I am not a fan of this. Yeah, it's 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 it, yeah. Everything about it gets weird. One of the one of the girls, like neo Freudian. Yeah, that's exactly it. One, one of the one of the girls that pilots the mecha. It turns out that she is also she is an experimental like clone. Kind of they they wanted her to be a generic stormtrooper clone where they could just clone this hybrid angel slash girl thing over and over again and have it fight in mecha in in evas that they built and just that way they could solve their problem right they just send the clone girl in the you know we just keep building a million versions of those robots and send them off against right. the the angels until the angels die off and then it turns out that she's the final angel like she's the thing that ties all the angels together and it's like i think the last half hour to 45 minutes of the series is just them popping every bubble that uh, you've you know kind of been building up this rising action of oh it must be this it must be this it must be this and then they turn everything on their head one by one by one and you're like what the fuck 
what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? You know? And it just, it, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's great for the same reason that uh, having a beer or two and sitting down and watching Koyaanisqatsi is great. It's like the, the best, mm. you know, non-drug trip that you'll ever have. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and it's so bizarre. Um, now I want to go back and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds um, like... This sounds like you're avoiding spoilers, which is right neighborly of you. I'm 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 leaving uh, piles of spoilers out, mostly because there's bits. Does of it? That uh, I still haven't completely figured out. <laughs> does the big reveal involve dangly bits? Dangly bits. Um, yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it? Uh, Robo wieners. There. Uh, there is a lot of. Um, pudding breasts sometimes breasts that are the size of giant robots in the face of the character Shinji the the, the awkward teenage boy um, you know it's both literal and you know if you interpret it symbolically it's maybe the idea of you know overt sexualization being pushed in the face of you know kids that are you know growing up in a modern era where you know sexuality is everywhere but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a moment where like he gets embraced by the huge version of the girl clone, and he's like right up being squished almost to death by her boobs. It's mm. weird. It's weird. It's weird. Uh, it's giant as robots. Someone who's, <laughs> as someone who's never seen this yeah. and only just looked up pictures of it yeah. for the first time, uh, I'm I'm it. That last thing you said makes me at, makes me return to the question. Uh, whenever there's like, like uh, Sam Peck and Paul movies, where like, well, I have to show this gruesome violence to show how gruesome violence is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that it's not so it looks ugly and bad, and then right. people watch it like, whoa, cool, it's so awesome, and yeah. you're like, wait, that didn't that backfired. Yeah, exactly. If if this is like, either way you look at it, if it's plain old, gratuitous sexualization or a commentary on gratuitous sexualization, either way it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boobies. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Absolutely. Yep. Ab when you get down to the end user, twelve-year-old yeah. boy watching yeah. it. Absolutely. It's you are you are spot on the money. There is an element of it where. The, the the artist, the writer, the guys putting this, or the, the folks, men and women putting this show together, were definitely kind of doing a subtle commentary on the overt sexualization of um, uh, women and, you know, the concept of, you know, the awkwardness of, of pushing um, boys kind of coming to, coming of age uh, in the direction of being a man. There's, there's, um, uh, they, they yell at the main character Shinji a lot. This get in the robot Shinji! Get in the robot Shinji! You have to save <laughs> us! Get in the robot Shinji! And there's a lot of that which I think is supposed to tie metaphorically to grow up, be a man, you know, leave your childhood Oh, behind, I was thinking, you know. Then, like, uh, a little ladder comes down from the robot's crotch. Get in there! <laughs> Just get on! Get in there! No, what are no. you, a wuss? Two inches to the left, dude. Come on! No. <laughs> Uh, oh my dear lord! Um, 
I would yeah. say I would say another word, but it's not the '80s or '90s anymore. And yeah, yeah. It wasn't okay then, but we didn't know it because uh, we were yeah. stupid. Yeah, and, and it, it, yeah. don't go down that road. Um, Yuck. Anyway. It's yeah. It's um, Evangelion. Your 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 comment about is it a subtle commentary on the awkwardness of sexuality, or is it hitting? The awkwardness of teenage sexuality in anime on the nose, or is a little bit of both. Or some of it's lost in you know the the digestion is absolutely. Or right. like Peck and Paw, you know, does the intent not matter? I think you the know intent, some. Yeah, sometimes intent matters a lot. Yeah. And sometimes, no matter what your intentions are, the end result is still. Uh, you know this. Oh, yay! Cool violence. I'm gonna get obsessed with this. Right. I think the intent matters, but I also think that it's one of those where, at a certain point, because of how much they push the sexuality and the um, sexual imagery of the show and of the characters in your face, that yeah, for the literally in that. Right for the one, in that one for instance. the robot with the giant crotch, yeah. For the creators of the show, I think it mattered. I think in terms of the marketing and distribution and the way that it ended up arriving on Western shores, I think ultimately it ended up getting a lost in translation and B ultimately ended up not mattering. Um, because now was that the beginning also of of because I remember in third after third grade, my friend Adam moved to Japan and he came back in sixth grade and he was like you gotta check out there's all these cool cartoons and all this cool stuff there's this thing called Pokemon you're gonna hear about right. and all this stuff uh, I guess not no not Pokemon this was like the early 90s so it yeah. would anyway some sort of Japanese cartoon mm -hmm. um, back when we called it Japanimation before we right. knew the word anime yeah yeah and uh so yeah, I remember the stuff that he came back and talked about was like, obviously, for kids, marketed to kids, this is kid stuff. Yeah. Um, was this Evangelion the beginning of the, on the American side, the obsession shifting from kids looking at, ooh, cool toys and monsters and robots, to... Uh, you know, twenty-year-old white guys with with patchy beards going, right. oh, cool yeah. <laughs> drawings of boobies. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely Wait. think that. I, I'm not sure if Evangelion was the beginning of that, but it definitely significantly helped with the sea change. Um, there mm. were some. There were some other anime series with mech suits maybe not giant robots but with mech suits that came out around the same time that did the same thing with um overt sexualization of the characters especially girls uh there was um oh let's see if i can remember uh what was the one where they the the suits literally looked like um uh the the hajime soriyama um metal all metal girl suits uh, i think the show in the united states was called cutie honey 
but I, I can't remember what the show is called. Oh, I hate it already. <laughs> yeah, don't, I mean, if, <laughs> you, you can do a cursory, dead giveaway. Yeah, yeah, you can do a cursory <laughs> Google search, but it's just like, ugh, as soon as you see it, you roll your eyes. Um, I don't think I want that don't. Google search yeah, on my phone's it. history. <laughs> that sounds um, like they'll put me on a list. Yeah, um, but that this is all parallel to, and although they're not giant robots, uh, it is all parallel to Armitage and to Battle Angel Alita, um, which are oh, okay. uh, in, which are uh, robot girls that cannot be defeated but at the same time are drawn in an overtly sexual manner. Um, kind of culminates in 1996, 97 with the Ghost in the Shell oh. anime. Um, That's the one I was trying to remember. I knew yeah. there was something that was like, it like the same time as um, like Aeon Flux yeah. and that MTV cartoon show. Yeah. Yeah, Aeon Flux is definitely a, a part of that world as well. Um, it, 1995 is the original Ghost in the yeah. Shell. Uh, yeah. And Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, where it was like extreme. It looked like you had, like you made a person out of Play-Doh yeah. and then stretched it out. Yep, yep. And stretched out all the limbs and stretched out the torso. Yeah. So they were yeah, all the characters like just seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Major Motoko Just, Kusanagi. I loved that show. Uh, they did. They went on and they did um, three seasons. Uh, no, I think now it's they're up to five seasons uh, of a show. It's, hmm. it, it's called Standalone Complex. Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. And oh my god, that anime was so freaking good. It was so good. And the um, so uh, Alita was it Battle what Al Battle Angel Alita? Alita. So. That was was that a comic or a cartoon in the nineties? Because no, they did a, the live action of yeah. it like last it a, year, or two years ago, or something. Yeah, and it was a good movie. Um, was it okay? Yeah, we. Um, I didn't see it, so I don't know. Amanda and I went to go see it with some friends. We thought it was pretty groovy. Um, it, it performed Ooh. really poorly in, in in theaters, though, so I don't think it's going to get the sequel it deserves, which is kind of unfortunate. But um, I think the CGI CGI eyes. Uh, turned people off I, I think that kept yeah, them out of the theaters I would believe that I it was very so James Cameron did it uh, and James Cameron did it basically as a love letter to the original Battle, Battle Angel Alita mm. and I think it suffered as a result of the fact that he tried to do such a faithful recreation of the original cartoon that uh, I feel it suffers a little bit as a result um but, that makes sense I yeah. mean yeah faithful recreations are in theory, really great. Right. But then you get, you know, like the Watchmen movie was extremely faithful. Right. And you either love it or hate it. And yeah. most people are not a fan of it. Right. That's exactly it. Um, yeah. Like, but, so, okay, so that brings us up to like the mid-90s. And now things have gone from, instead of uh, a a little boy in his uncle slash grandpa's invention fighting right. bad guys right. also in robots now it's like super skinny giant boobed uh highly sexualized teenagers like yeah. underage teenagers who are hopping in robots that sometimes have giant 
parts <laughs> <laughs> as well. Right. Uh, and so, okay. Are, now, are they still giant or are they people-sized? Well, It seemed yeah. like it was more like instead of giant robots... It, and again, this is, I don't know these shows, yeah, no, but from what I vaguely remember, it's more like... Um, it's kind of when the break happens. This, not, this is kind of is when it, it cyborgs when you have robot parts attached to you? Yeah, person with robot parts, cyborg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, have person. It seems more like that. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, but the thing that's really neat is that Western, um, uh... Western animation, Western live action, um, really kind of uh, glommed on to the concept of giant robots around the same time as Transformers. So you, you have these kind of two divergent paths, right? You have uh, the, the Japanese are like, uh, the Japanese do Evangelion. Um, there's some additional uh, giant robot anime shows that, that continue to populate the, the anime landscape, including Gurren Lagan, which is one that I've only seen a little bit of, which is just weird as I'll get out, but it's, it, it seems both awesome and weird. I haven't watched enough of it to really pass a judgment call, but you also have cool. Gundam continues and continues. Gundam is uh, uh, like another two to three seasons of, of different variations of, of the Gundam story universe will pop up in various channels of anime to this day. Um, Every once in a while, Harmony Gold will relax the rights just a little bit to let somebody go make another Macross story. So that's always fun. And then um, Netflix just did a, a, a Transformers uh, anime that tells an origin story of why Optimus Prime and Megatron hate each other so much. And, and I have yet to see that. I'm really excited. About oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of the origin of, of Optimus and Megatron's uh antipathy towards each other so i'm really interested in seeing that at some point you but, know why it's because semi-trucks the natural enemy yeah guns yeah this is true yeah 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 you, you, you it's put a, it's a classic two-way rock paper scissors because yeah the semi the gun can yeah. shoot out the tires of the semi-truck yeah but the yeah. semi-truck can run over the gun yeah, Walther P thirty eight beats uh, cab over Peterbilt every time. Science has broken yeah. this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the West, you have um, probably one of the coolest, if not campiest, movies that came out in the mid to late eighties was Robot Jocks. <laughs> line in the sand as uh, as mm-hmm. western media saying this is it uh, this is our dividing line between the way that they do uh, the Godzilla movies over on the other side of the Pacific and the way that we're going to do them here in Hollywood um, Robot Jocks had one or two knockoffs but the whole idea of doing a serious like let's do a Hollywood, a big Hollywood movie about a giant corporation running a big robot 
Um, oh was, wow! It, yeah, and that was that was Robot Jocks. It was amazing, and it was uh, the designs for Robot Jocks were done by the same guys that did uh, the designs for um, the vehicles and the machinery in Alien. Um, you had yeah. This definitely looks. I'm I image searched it, and yeah, this yeah. definitely looks more. Western. Like it, Western, but more like a tool. Yeah, right. Than or, yeah, an avatar of a being. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, like it has a big gap in the middle of its torso, and the the arms are like servos, right. and they're at a weird angle where it's more what would be useful instead yeah. of what would be elegant. Right, it's this giant piece of awkward. Interesting. Neckery. Yeah. Um, and this was 1999, which explains why, or 1990, which explains why I never heard of it because yeah. that was a couple of years of just like nonstop enormous movies, especially yeah. 99, but 90 as well. Right. Just enormous movies that swallowed up every other movie. Yeah, exactly. And so it was either enormous or no one ever heard of it. Yep. Yeah, and so it becomes it becomes a cult favorite. It kind of gets buried um, in. The, oh wow! Uh, it only made a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'll tell you what though. If you ever um, after this, if you go look at some of the uh, the um, the special effects and the clips, like it's pretty good for its time. It's pretty good for 1990. Okay. Like it, it feels like it, it feels like. Um, if you think of the special effects in um, Aliens, of James, Cam James Cameron's Aliens, if you think about yeah. kind of the the heads-up display special effects from Terminator, you know some of the the it's got a lot of stop motion, so it's kind of like watching the the T eight hundred exoskeleton in the original Terminator move around. It's it's a mm -hmm, lot of that mm -hmm. where it's like, all right, well we're gonna work with what we got, but we're gonna make it look as awesome as we can. You know, and they—I think they did a pretty good job for, for for what was available at the time. But the other problem is that, of course, if you watch Robot Jocks, uh, you know you can feel the limitations in the special effects budget, um, and you know they could only do so much and go so far. Um, so the concept of the giant robot uh, as a as a Western movie. Um, central character kind of gets put on the shelf um creepy robots show up in the matrix but it really isn't until pacific rim in 2013 when guillermo del toro says let's do it you know let's let's make a love letter movie to all of the giant robots and and let's let's say that every continent has their own giant robot.
in doing so, let's design in uh, all of these, like, you know, subtle things about the imagery and the way that the robots look that is not only reflective mm. of their continent, but maybe also reflective of the, you know, the giant, giant robot um, uh, culture. So, um, cool. Yeah. So, like, you know, Japan gets a giant robot and their giant robot is is very nimble and it has some of the like arm rocket or, or finger rocket stuff that um, Mazinger had and that Ultraman had uh, we get this uh, this giant good guy uh, North America it's not USA anymore it's North America um, gets this giant robot that's called Gypsy Danger uh, who's got like kind of World War II bomber uh, nose art painted on its chest um, mm. and it gets very American weaponry got a giant uh, uh, laser gun and kind of this giant Excalibur sword um, and, and it feels it feels right it feels kind of like an amalgam of mm. all of the things that you come to expect Optimus Prime to weld wield sorry or that you expect a, a Gundam to wield um, and it's just like you watch the movie and in, in my humble opinion Pacific Rim kind of stands as um, the the gold standard at this point for what a, a giant robot movie should be and could be and how far you can push it um wow yeah it's, that is some big praise yeah coming from me it's like i, I like transformers i'm not gonna lie you know <laughs> dan dan knows i you know oh I, yeah I, <laughs> I ran out of space at a certain point because i kept buying them um that has uh, <laughs> that has that has since uh stopped a little bit uh <laughs> but um <laughs> i mean you know the concept of the, the visual concept of uh, giant robots beating the crap out of giant monsters, you know, going all the way back to watching Godzilla versus Jet Jaguar and watching Ultraman versus, um, you know, his troop of bad guys, watching Voltron. I mean, Pacific Rim is so heavily, beautifully influenced by Voltron. It, it's, it is, it is really uh, kind of. I, I think it's kind of perfect. Um, the story is exactly what you'd expect out of a giant robot versus giant monster story. <laughs> it's not really there. The story is there solely for the purpose of getting these robots to a point where they're fighting the monsters. Um, but yeah. it's decent, you know, and, and for, a, for a robot versus monster story, that's saying something. And um, I mean, if... You know, let's not think, let's not take it too seriously. Right. If we had giant robots in the world and there was some sort of alien attack or whatever happens in this movie, we wouldn't spend a lot of time going, well, now what is the motivation of the people who, exactly. as they climb into the robots? No, you're like, get in the robot and destroy yeah. the alien robots. Right. Please, for the love of God, please go kill the, the, the huge monster that's, you know, the size of a city. Can, can we... Can you do that first, and then later on we can talk existential crises? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Um, I'm, 
I'm not going to really take it much further than Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim is kind of, I think it's top of the tops. Um, there, there's definitely awesome. great uh, giant robot anime and 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 western stuff that's come out that I, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording about the Netflix Voltron, which everybody should go watch. The Netflix Voltron is just wonderful. It's it's eight seasons of storytelling poetry, and oh and wow, that's it a lot. Does, it does everything that Pacific Rim could not in terms of setting up how would seven people from disjointed corners of the galaxy come together to drive a giant freaking robot. And it does a really, mm. really impressive job of telling that story. So uh, where, where uh, Pacific Rim is a fantastic two-hour blockbuster bang em up Voltron is just eight seasons of um, just losing yourself in uh, a really satisfying anime. Uh, but they they both, the the central premise of both of them is uh, we're going to put a giant robot in front of a big-ass monster, and one of them's going down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, all right. And and we kind of skipped over the the mid to late '90s imports where Power Rangers came over and all the copycats, Beetleborgs and yeah. all that stuff. And but uh, that sounds like a, you covered it very very in depth. So no, that's a fair point. Sort of. I, yeah. I, so I will. I will kind of. I'm gonna kind of verbally bookmark that yes um through the 90s you have um power rangers again power rangers did not originally start as power rangers it's it's uh, haim saban's right. power, saban's power rangers and it started as another series and i don't know power rangers lore well enough and i'm i'm, I'm honestly at this point since we're wrapping up i'm not going to go google it um but <laughs> um google it um the <laughs> power rangers is um, Power Rangers, and then there's two other series which are still going strong in Japan. I think it's called Ken, uh, Kenshin Rider or Tenshin Rider, uh, T E N S H I N, something like that. Um, they still kind of carry on. They did, and then they still today kind of carry on that that concept of put five characters together. Um, kind of from, from different corners of the world and uh, have them pilot the mech suits and, and that's all all of that is uh, all of them are spiritual successors to um, Voltron which originally started as uh, it was either Go Gygar or uh, Go Lazar it's something like that but in Japan mm. it had a different term when they brought it to the United States they, they westernized it so they could sell it called it Voltron um, well, yeah, but then yeah, then you got Power Rangers. You have all the variations of Power Rangers. You have freaking Beetleborgs with the dude with the Jay Leno uh, chin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then all of those are. I think it's all that same guy, Saban, Haim Saban, um, taking uh, already s stuff that had already been recorded in the early '90s. The, 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 the fight scenes, right? The giant robot versus giant monster fight scenes. 
and yeah. then going and filming some American live action to paste it together. Yeah, um, give it a new frame story, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, again, I don't know Power Rangers, but I would assume that there's a Because, hey, point... when you're inside a giant robot, we're all the same color, man. Exactly. And really, it's a story of cultural harmony. Um, but, yeah, I would assume that there's a, a, a point in the storytelling for, or, or in the production of Power Rangers where they probably said, shit, we got to... Uh, we got to go film some new monster fighting scenes because we've run out of <laughs> monsters. <laughs> get the robot suit out of... Import the robot suit from Japan and get somebody over here in Hollywood to knock down some cardboard yeah. boxes because uh, we need some new bad guys to kill. <laughs> Quick, someone get some foam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a Sharpie marker that out and reminds... start drawing building as fast as you can. <laughs> that Sorry. reminds me of... Um, I think they're still going... Um, something I became aware of in like 2004 when I was working at the radio station they just sent us this DVD they're like hey look at this stuff we did and it was called Kaiju Big Battle yes witness the greatest live monster spectacle in the universe for over two decades Kaiju Big Battle has been bringing its unique mashup of pro wrestling and Japanese monster fandom to sold out venues across North America and it's these guys would set up a wrestling ring and it was always like the the opening like the the entrance to a mall yeah and they would put on costumes like giant aliens and giant bugs and giant robots and evil scientists and stuff and they would wrestle and fight and they had backstories and everything, and it was really, really super it's, crazy cool. It's so And good. I only had this one DVD of, like, these random guys wrestling in weird suits, and I was like, what is this, and why are yes. they doing it? Right. You know, they would go around everywhere, and it's like, they're in a mall in Pasadena jumping on each other. Cool. <laughs> it was... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it was fantastic. It was so fantastic. And I think they went oh, on and did more and more stuff. They might have made like a comic book out of it. And I know they made more videos. I got to find out now. Hold on one second here. Are they still yeah, doing it? Yeah, those guys were great. Being, are they still doing it? Um, uh, well, there's definitely images of them doing it. Uh, yes. Fighting in the wrestling ring. Yep, got all the characters. Space Potato. Yeah, I, I s- love Space potato. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love Silver potato. potato. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I still definitely remember the... I still have the... Uh, the the magnets. They sent us, right. like, ten magnets, and I kept, yeah. like, half of them. They're on my fridge right now. Oh, so they're based out of New York. Uh, like yeah, and they Riley. set up little cardboard cities yeah. on the stage. Oh, so, oh, wow, they were founded in 1994. Wow, that goes back. Wow. I had no idea they were that old. Wow. That's wild. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, There's a video game that came out in 2018. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Their their main site, kaiju.com, it looks like they're... I almost wonder if maybe they they put things on pause because of COVID, which would totally make sense. I mean, I I yeah. would think they had to, like every every other sort of performer. Yeah, 
we made these green kakeshi, which are these little tiny, uh, kind of like uh, rubber rubber minifigures, as exclusives for our live shows and con appearances, but due to the state of the world, it's not going to happen. We decided to throw caution in the wind and we put them up on the web store so that we can make some money and pay the rent. Oh, that's so neat. Yeah, and it's all that's the characters nice. from the show. That's cool. Yeah. I, Super cool. Yeah. But yeah, Kaiju Big Battle is fantastic, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. I had almost completely forgotten about it. It's um, the the most fun thing about it is that it's you take the the giant robot versus giant monster visual motif out of uh, uh, the Godzilla um, the the Godzilla movies and out of like Ultraman and Jet Jaguar, and you place these characters into a wrestling ring. And then you yeah. throw some cardboard boxes painted as buildings in there, and you have them beat the daylights out of each other. It's so good. Yeah. It's so and good. And it was right at that time in the mid-90s yeah. when they started it. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, like 94 is WWF was it, – it, was, it wasn't WWE yet. So WWF was, like, nearing its peak. It was on yeah. the way up to its peak. Yeah. Uh, WCW, same thing, bef- nearing its peak. Yeah. All this uh, Japanese uh, TV was coming over. Right. People were going ape for it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that you would want to combine those two. And it, it costs, you know, what, 40 bucks to make one of those costumes? Right. You could do right. that. Yeah, I mean, it's, That's cool. it's the exact same amount of effort that goes into, and this is not to disparage who I'm about to say, but... It's basically taking the same work effort that goes into making a Guar costume and making a yeah. monster costume. Um, yeah, exactly. And you know, the thing that's really interesting in watching, because I'm watching clips of the characters uh, battle each other, is um, you can't make these costumes the way that you'd make a cosplay costume. Because I'm used to seeing, I've got a bunch of friends that do cosplay, and their costumes are made specifically for the purpose of showing up at the con, uh, showing off, doing some moves, some twitches, some twirls, and then and then going home. You have to make yeah. these costumes to survive. These have to yeah, be Yeah, it's not... They're not... Um, what do you call it when it's, like, useful? They're, they're <laughs> not for display only. They're resilient. They're... Yeah, they're, display they're only versus... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Utilitarian? Uh, utilitarian, but, yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. you said proletarian. I was proletarian. Like, wow. No, u- utilitarian. <laughs> utilitarian, yeah. yes. Yeah. Exactly. They, it's they like to... the 1989 uh, Batman movie. He couldn't turn his neck. So he had right. to turn his whole torso to right. look at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Similar, similar Batman premise. It's the difference between the uh uh the 89 batmobile and the batman begins batmobile where one yeah, looks like yeah. a gorgeous piece of machinery and the other one just looks like a tank painted black yeah so after covering 60 ish years of yeah. giant robots what are the best to you it could be it, it doesn't have to, well, this is the newest and it looks the best, so it's the best. Like, whatever your criteria are, it could be right. based on visual, it could be based yep. on heart, it could be based on story, whatever you think. What okay. are the best ones? 
All right, so I have. I, I, I'm gonna limit it to five, uh, just so that we're not here all night. Um, I really love um, Voltron, old and new, and I think mm. Voltron is kind of best all around in terms of like a show that we remember from when we were kids show that netflix did a wonderful job of updating now it kind of sets the template for power rangers and for a lot of the follow-on giant robot uh you know five kids uh piloting different vehicles that become one giant robot uh voltron has his own, his own signature look um you're, you're never gonna look at another giant robot or mecha and go i think that's voltron i don't know you know you're gonna look at uh the dude with the tiger mechanical tiger uh mouths for fists and the the screaming tiger uh for feet and the giant yeah. golden sword and the very proud face and you're gonna go say you're gonna say that that is voltron i'd pick him out in the lineup yeah. anytime right that is a um, giant robot, and I'm for it. Yeah, and, and man, look at him painted good in the guy. primary colors. With all those colors being, you know, that easy to identify on the color wheel, that's got to be the good guy. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely Voltron's at the top. Um, it's M&M colors. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't like M&M's, what's wrong with you? Well, you may be allergic to chocolate or something. I don't know. Um, or I would evil say, space monster. Th th which is, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's allergies, basically. Yeah, my understanding is that if you're allergic to M&M's, you, you become one of the kaiju that that, that Voltron fights. Um, scientific. You um, know what's weird, though, is in those M&M commercials, uh, they're actually small kaiju. <laughs> Not kaiju, they're small uh, robots, and there's a little tiny guy piloting them, and that's why they have faces and can talk. You know, it would be even wilder is if it was little tiny M&Ms piloting the giant robot M&Ms. Mm. Yeah. That's, you know, it would be even wilder. What's that? I don't know. Okay. If they were all named Gene, I don't know. <laughs> with, 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 with children named Van. Um, yeah, I'd say number two on the list. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, uh, I would say that um, the second in line would definitely be both uh, Gypsy Danger and uh, Cherno Alpha, um, who were the uh, North American and the Russian robot, respectively, in Pacific Rim. And the biggest reason okay. that I love both of those designs is because they're they're designed to look directly reflective of the nation that built them. And so Gypsy Danger looks like if you turned a World War II bomber into a giant robot, whereas Cherno Alpha looks like if you if you took uh like a, a a russian tank and you you put a uh a a chernobyl hence the name uh nuclear reactor on 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 its head and turned it into a mm -hmm. giant robot and and so i love both of those designs for those reasons um cool yeah uh oh wow I looked it up, and yeah, Cherno Alpha looks awesome. Yeah, it's such a cool, silly design, but it, it's... I love that helmet. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's fantastic because they they suggest that there's a nuclear fission reactor in the top of the robot, and and that you know wherever it goes, it's just bringing it along. I love the concept wow. because it's you know it it's the like a terrible idea. Yeah, it's the Russians. It's like you know I, we we don't really care about you know as long as we have victory, we are good. <laughs> I, I so I think it's oh fantastic. I love it so much. Um, so yeah, number three spot goes to my boy Skylinks, who is a random transformer uh, who is lording over my desk right now. Uh, Skylinks is S K Y L Y N. Oh, is that the white? It's the, uh, wet, the the red, white, and blue space shuttle with landing pad that turns into a uh, basically a hippogriff. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The character has a upper crust British accent in the cartoon show. Maybe shows up oh four God. episodes, but the design for the for the character is just badass. It's it's like let's take let's take the crawler, NASA's crawler, and the shuttle, and let's make them turn into a bird and a tiger. And now let's have the two of them combine. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and it's it has so ridiculous. I for some reason I uh, I kind of remembered this one, but it had yeah, it has like quadruped feet. I was yeah. thinking it was because because of the head. I was thinking of it like a like a uh, plesiosaur, like a Loch Ness like monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was... it definitely has four legs and feet and wings. And some yeah. wings. Because, sure. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Because why the hell not? Yeah. <laughs> you know what this thing needs? More. Wow. More That's everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I like Ultraman because Ultraman was um, the uh, kind of, for, for a long time through the 80s, that, that was what a giant robot was. Um, and uh, he's also very retro. I, I really like the design of Ultraman because it's it's literally just a, a, a guy in, in a latex suit with, you know, kind of a helmet hat on. Um, so I, I, I thought that was fantastic uh, back when. And Ultraman kid, is the one where he it. like crosses his arms and then he grows and then he's exactly. like as big as a building. Exactly. That's yeah. the the you'll see it as a GIF or you'll see it, yep. you know, as a clip in a, in a cartoon or something. Right. Right, yeah, that's Ultraman. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's pretty great. I like yeah, that guy. Yeah, it's so great, and it's so. At this point, it's very retro, and and, and so I love it for that. Uh, it's it's, I, I just love how the roots of that concept, bits and pieces of that have made it into modern kind of mecha and giant robot storytelling. But 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 Ultraman was definitely kind of the one that you know. It's hard not to think of him when you when when you think of uh, uh, early giant robots. Um, and then I would say, kind of uh, uh, bringing up the rear uh, is um, opt yeah is Optimus Prime, and um, it's just because oh, yeah. Optimus Prime is is everybody knows Optimus Prime, and and there's not much support that I have to do in terms of explaining it. But I mean, he was a he was. Uh, every time that he shows up, both on the small screen and the large, he's a giant robot, and uh, 
you know, he kind of exists as, as his own character and the guy who voices him, Peter Cullen, that voice is just like, you know, my favorite thing is that they, um, they did the, in the interviews that they do with, with Peter Cullen when, uh, about the Optimus Prime voice, he says, uh, I wanted it to be, uh, a little bit John Wayne and a little bit, um, uh, um, Beaver's dad from Leave It to Beaver, so that you had mm. both a hero and so that you had both the feelings of a hero and the feelings of a father figure, someone someone that yeah. could be proud, and and someone who could who who could come off with a voice of leadership, but someone that also you knew that with the right joke would crack, and I just I love that description of the character because then when you watch the movies and and you watch the TV show, that's that's who that character is. Um, so yeah, definitely Optimus Prime is kind of in, in the number five spot, but that's mostly just because he's very eponymous. He's 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 out there. Oh Everybody yeah, who he is. He's the one. He's the one. Yeah. So that's that's. I think that's. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop giant robots. Um, of course, to be very fair, very cool. Nothing can stop giant robots. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're Absolutely. a giant <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that can stop a giant robot is five giant robots working together. Right, right. Or a giant kaiju from outer space for the purposes of forwarding the plot for about a half hour. Yep. Every time. Oh. Freaking outer space kaijus. All right, Dan. Well, that's my awesome. giant robot episode. I hope, I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed it. I did very much. Cool. Thanks, Aram. You're welcome, Dan. All right, Dan. I think that's it. Um, why don't you uh, let us uh, 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 get out of the robot with some uh, kick-ass music. It's a lot harder to make a tune than I thought when you do that. <laughs> oh it's tractor beat music that's perfectly fitting yeah all right all right <laughs> all right good Dang night it. everybody <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>